pre-COVID, the plan was open more locations. And, you know, when COVID hit and we were displaced, it was like, huh, look at all the money that we are spending on rent that we're still having to pay. Thinking about all the overhead costs, still want more locations. But then also thinking about, you know, New York real estate, which is really expensive. Um, But thinking about owning an actual space um, because the amount of work that I've put in, especially, you know, with the construction challenges that I've had, putting in that amount of money and and dedication into a space that I don't own, it would be smarter to actually own it. And especially in New York, most of the commercial spaces have residential spaces on top. So thinking about that income as well, to be able to help sustain uh, the building and really investing in Fit for Dance and investing in, in myself as well and thinking about the future of Lacey and Fit for Dance. It's an investment. This is absolutely so smart. Welcome to the iFund Women Show, where we are talking to one entrepreneur about one huge problem in her business, and we are going to help her solve it. I'm your host, Karen Kahn. My team and I founded iFund Women to help female entrepreneurs get access to the capital, the expert coaching, and the lucrative connections all designed to grow our ideas into profitable, sustainable businesses. Let's do this. Okay, everybody, welcome to the iFund Women Show pod. Do, 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 do. Hey, Lacey, I'm having a bad stretch of saying I'm sorry when I'm not sorry. It's like a habit it's I a never habit. had. I never had it. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I'm sorry for everything, but I'm not doing anything except for singing and dancing and feeling some joy because I'm here with you. Yes. And you are a dancer and you are spreading joy. And we're going to talk all about your business, but. Anyway, welcome to the iPhone Women Show pod. So happy to see your beautiful, smiling face. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm truly grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. So the purpose of the show, for those who are just tuning in for the first time, first of all, welcome. I'm Karen Kahn and the founder and CEO of iPhone Women. And every week we do live coaching using the iPhone Women method with members of iPhone Women. And we're so lucky today to have the famous Lacey Chisholm, who's going to tell you all about her business. I know about her business, but we want to hear about it from you, Lacey. So tell us all about it and then tell us the problem you want us to help you solve today on the pod. Yes. So as you said, I'm Lacey Chisholm. I'm the founder and CEO of Fit for Dance. And Fit for Dance is a dance fitness studio dedicated to providing quality and affordable dance and fitness classes for women and children, especially those in underserved communities. I started Fit for Dance to bring my community together to help women take charge of their health through dance and fitness in a comfortable, safe space, to also provide that same safe space for for children as well as dance has been a major part of my life growing up and in my adult life. And it's just helped me tremendously with my health, with my confidence, and with allowing me to meet so many incredible people and traveling around the world. It's it's truly been transformative and and I want to spread that joy. And then to also bring communities together to learn about other cultures, respect other cultures, and become part of something bigger. I'm loving your origin story and your why. And it's so important because, you know, kids become adults and what they learn in these formative years absolutely informs the outsized 
successful results are going to have as adults in whatever areas of business or life, wherever life takes them, they'll have this foundation, which is so important. So where is your location presently? And are you looking at expanding? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we are in Brooklyn, New York, in Crown Heights, and uh, we've been in this particular location since 2018. Our first studio uh, opened in 2016, and we outgrew that space in a year and a half, which was really exciting. Yay! Wait, take a minute. Yes, I'm glad you said it's really exciting because most founders don't celebrate those wins. They kind of like, we started in 2016. We outgrew our space, so we had to move. I'm like, wait a minute. You outgrew your space? That's like amazing news. That means you have lots of customers. So good on you, and I love that you already are celebrating your wins. That is such a vibe. So keep going. Thank you, thank you. And we moved to our new space in 2018, and of course we had a lot of challenges, but a lot of successes as well. You moved in 2018, and 2019 was your first year in the new space. Well, we actually moved to the new space in January of 2018, but the construction wasn't ready until July 2018. It was supposed to be ready in February 2018. And so most of the challenges were around construction. Very interesting. So let's put a pin in that. So when we're talking about future state, we remember what challenges we had overcome in the the past that caused a six-month delay in you being able to serve your students and make money, correct? Yes, definitely. Which really helped during COVID because I had experienced something similar previously in being closed and not having a physical space. So what did you do in that scenario in 2018 when it wasn't like a COVID vibe where everything was being shut down and no one knew when they were going to be opening up, especially in New York, versus in 2018 where it was more of, it was the construction people's fault, essentially. Right. What did you do? So in 2018, when I realized it wasn't just going to be like a month and a half of transitioning to a space, an angel appeared at our, at our previous space and said, hey, while you're transitioning, would you like to utilize our preschool and, and teach your classes out of there until your space is, is ready? And that was a blessing. I thought I'd only be there for maybe a month, but it was much longer. So I was able to teach some of the classes out of that space, but it was very small. And was it challenging to get people to even know, to spread the word that you had moved or you were in a temporary space and things like that? Fortunately, it wasn't. Uh, We had a really close-knit community, and so they were ready for the move, and I kept them informed of everything that was going on. So they followed me to the small space. They followed me to, to all of the spaces that we'd had, because prior to opening that space, I was kind of a nomad. I was renting studio space everywhere I could until I got my own space, and they've always been supportive. So that was really phenomenal. You're on the move. You're not a nomad. You were on the move. You were popping up all over and your dedicated audience. And I would follow you anywhere too, honestly. I get it. I get that vibe. So what's the best mode of communication for your community? Was it a Facebook? Was it an Instagram? Was it a WhatsApp? How did you just let people know that you were going to be in different spots? It was all of the above. It was Facebook, Instagram, our mailing list, the newsletter, uh, our website, uh, WhatsApp groups, word of mouth. Great. That's helpful for our audience because even these little things, right? And I know this isn't the problem we're solving today and we're going to get into it, but you're dropping these little gems without even knowing it that people can learn from. Because oftentimes when folks are running a brick and mortar, something with a physical space, there are gaps. You move, you need to pop up, 
You need to utilize different spaces and the communication to your customers and your community, the consistency and the level at which you communicate is so critical to keep the business going. So it's really, I want to just say thank you on behalf of the audience for giving us just those little tips and tricks that you probably took for granted, (laughs) but kept you in business. So thank you for that. So tell us a little bit more about what got you into dance and why you're so passionate about it. And then let's dig into the problem we're going to help you solve today. Yeah. So I've been dancing since I was four years old and loved it. Absolutely loved it. Growing up, uh, danced in elementary, middle school, high school, college, and it was awesome. But I, I never really thought that dance would be a viable option for a career. It was always the thing I did on the side. After work, I would go teach children's dance. I would take dance classes, but I love dance and I always wanted to dance. And my actual degree is in advertising and journalism. And so I worked in that field for a few years, uh, but I always wanted to be a teacher. So I transitioned and became a teacher. And when I moved to New York, uh, got really involved in that field and helped open a school. I was an assistant principal at a school. I gained a lot of weight. I had really long hours. I was 65 pounds heavier, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, pre-diabetes in my 20s. The doctor wanted to put me on all of these medications. And I said, oh, my God, absolutely not. And how did that happen? But I was so deep in my work that I wasn't taking care of my health. So just to pause here, first of all, where did you move from? From South Carolina. Okay, so you're moving from South Carolina to New York. You get involved in education and you become an assistant principal at an elementary school, high school. Where were you? Started elementary and then went to a middle school. Got it. And for all of us who are either parents or remember, being an assistant principal or a principal is a massive job. It is no joke. It is absolutely no joke. It's a real, it's a big responsibility. So please continue because this is painting a picture of not only the stress and the responsibility that you obviously took very seriously because you were working with children and then you had the 65 pound weight gain and I'm looking at you and listeners you can't see (laughs) It's hard to imagine 65 pounds on you. Yes, thank you. But yeah, my health was dwindling and I was stressed. And the doctor said, you know, this stress is going to kill you. So we have to figure out something to do. And I did not want to take the medication. I said, I have to start working out again. I have to dance again. I have to get back to what I love. And so I took another job working in education still, but helping aspiring principals open their own schools. And uh, this job was based in Chicago and we had locations in New York and and LA and I was able to work from home. So when I was able to work from home, I had a more flexible schedule and I got to take all of these classes. So I would get on Groupon and Living Social and all these coupons to take all these classes that I wouldn't be able to afford and just take a variety of dance and fitness classes and figure out what classes would help me lose the weight and which classes I actually enjoyed. And also studying different studios and gyms and saying, you know, if I had a dance studio, if I had a gym, I would want it to be like that. When you walked in there, was it the vibe? Was it the feeling? Was it the aesthetics? Was it all of it? What was it that attracted you so much? It was all of it. It was, I'd never taken bar classes before. It was the quality of instructors. It was the vibe walking into the studio, how peaceful it was and uh, the dressing rooms and, and the showers and all of those things. Okay, so Lacey, here we are. 
It is 2020, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> you have your studio open in Brooklyn in Crown Heights. And how are things going? And where do you want to go? And that will lead into what we're going to help you think through today. Things are going really well now. It was really challenging coming back from being closed, our physical space being closed for a year and a half because of COVID. But thankfully, we transitioned to virtual classes during that time and were able to sustain the business and uh, return to our studio in July of, of 2021 and started out really strong. And then when Omicron hit, took another dip and was you know really nervous about that and, and thinking about the future. Then when that subsided, late January, early February started to get back on track and now just really seeing increase in sales and students and really on a, a positive trajectory, which is really exciting. Absolutely. Did you keep up the online classes even during when you had IRL? Yes. And that was truly a blessing as well, because I was able to keep those students who were not in New York or those students who weren't you know, feeling comfortable about returning to a physical space with, with other people. We've met so many people around the country and around the world who were still taking classes and people that got off work late and could just log in at their convenience. So that's just really been truly, truly helpful and transformative in bringing in another stream of revenue. Okay. Miss Lacey, what is happening now? Where are we going with the business and what can we help you think through today on the IFW Show live coaching podcast? Pre-COVID, the plan was open more locations. And, you know, when COVID hit and we were displaced, it was like, huh, look at all the money that we are spending on rent that we're still having to pay during COVID. Thinking about all the overhead costs but that was, you know, I was really passionate about that and really, really wanted that for the studio and now still want that. I want more locations, but then also thinking about, you know, New York real estate, which is really expensive, um, but thinking about owning an actual space um, because the amount of work that I've put in, especially, you know, with the construction challenges that I've had, putting in that amount of money and, and dedication into a space that I don't own in New York it would be smarter to actually own it. And especially in New York, most of the commercial spaces have residential spaces on top. So thinking about that income as well to be able to help sustain uh, the building and really investing in Fit for Dance and investing in, in myself as well and thinking about the future of Lacey and Fit for Dance. So that's that's really what I want to focus on is, is having a space um, that is mine, that I'm pouring money into a space that will ultimately be fit for dance and that I can grow in and really feel comfortable about the, the amount of work that, that we're putting into it. It's an investment. It's not like you're throwing money down the tubes. You're sprucing up someone else's rental. You're throwing money down the tubes on rent and then you're renovating. You don't own any of that. This is absolutely so smart. You're investing. So any money you put in when you're ready to sell the building, you're going to get out. Yes. So can I ask a couple of qualifying questions so of I can course. help you think through, and I'm assuming funding, how are we going to get funding for this is the issue? Yes. Okay, cool. So let me ask you a couple of questions. So number one, do you have an area picked out? Do you want to stay in Crown Heights? Do you want to potentially go somewhere else? Talk to me about just area first. I would love to stay in Crown Heights. Great. I would love that. 
that's where your people are. That's where your community is. And that's where you've got your customers. And at least for this, you know, you want to open more, but for this mothership, for the home base, yes, it's going to be in Crown Heights. That's fantastic. Love that. And then let's talk about you, Lacey, the human. So do you see yourself living in Crown Heights? And I'm not putting any societal projections on you whatsoever. I'm just putting thought bubbles out there. Eventually, do you want to have a family or do you want to roll solo? Do you want a space that's big enough to grow in? Or are you thinking about this more as you'll live there for like a couple of years while you're getting the space up and running and then you're going to go replicate this model in another city? Yes. Great questions. I do want to have a family and I would like to stay in the space several years and replicate it in another city. But I do see myself being in Crown Heights. I love Brooklyn. So if I think I'm hearing you correctly, ideally, you would want a space where Lacey and future family can really be and grow. I'm seeing like, I don't know if it's like a brownstone or with the retail on the bottom and then yeah. multiple floors, Yes, you know, for you and the family to grow into. And at first, I would imagine if it's just you or you and a partner in one apartment or in one space on one floor, and then you could rent it out to another person, yes. you know, you could have tenants essentially. Yes. Am I on track? You are definitely on track. Okay, good. And the reason I'm asking that is, is because when you're investing in real estate, you really need to think about how long you are going to live there and use the space. So if you are looking to just live there for a short time and then move on to the next, that will inform how much we want to spend on the space, the building, and whether it even makes sense to do it. But the fact that you're thinking about this as a long-term, nothing is forever, so I'm using this in bunny quotes, but you are forever home. You're building your home for you and your future family, and your business is right on top of it. And then the business hopefully will expand and all that, but you want to be in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights for the foreseeable future. Yes. That's the perfect need state to buy. Because if you had said, you're not sure, you may want to move, you may want to go back to South Carolina, I would say it's so not worth it because you're not going to get your money out in that short amount of time. Okay, so that's exciting. Have you started looking for potential spaces? Yes, but not deeply. I've started a spreadsheet in January and I've started looking at a few spaces, but haven't really dug in um, as much as I should. And um, I did contact a realtor, but really need to dig deeper. The housing market is like hot, hot, hot. Like the market is hot right now. I don't know what is going on in Crown Heights, but you really need to be very strategic and calculated about this. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're not like rushing, rushing, rushing. What I think is the next step is just to try to understand the buyer's market for a mixed use space in New York state vis-a-vis, well, number one, obviously like pricing, price per square foot in the area you want to be in, but then also the tax situation. And I don't know this because I don't know the answers to these questions, but if I were you, I would be starting to research what are the tax implications for a mixed use space and what does your liability insurance need to look like? So there's all the costs that you need to factor into owning a mixed use space. So you're going to have people coming into the to this dance studio, which you have now, and I'm sure you have business insurance and all that kind of stuff. 
And hopefully that basically could be the same. I don't know because you're going to be owning the space. Remember, you were just renting before. So renter's insurance and business liability insurance to cover for what happens at Fit for Dance is going to be fundamentally different from the owner's insurance for that space. And then obviously homeowner's insurance for your home part of it. So there's those pieces that are may not be prohibitively costly, but they're going to add in. And I would also just start digging into, and you don't have to hire a lawyer for this yet, unless you have one on retainer that you trust. Most of us don't. I don't have a lawyer on retainer like, hey, Janet, what's up? what if I want to do this? What do I do? But to start looking into just the laws around running a mixed-use space, ownership, just get ahead of any potential like, oh, shoot. And so that's why haste makes waste, especially in this kind of a situation. So start doing that due diligence. And in addition to that, start just going on Zillow or whatever app you use to start sort of shopping around online and just see what spaces are going for. Because I will tell you, sometimes you you actually never know, which is, it's kind of like you definitely want to have the basic information on owning and operating a mixed-use space in New York. There's the city portion and there's the state portion. And New York is taxi, tax, 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 tax. We're not in Florida or Texas <laughs> where it's a little easier. We're in the NYC. So it's definitely, you need to factor that in. Once you have that sort of figured out, I would say start looking, literally start looking because you never know when something fabulous, like a gem is going to come on. And especially if you've renovated a place before and you've gone through that process, you know what to do, what not to do, and now you're going to own it. So you can maybe like plus up if you have the budget on some things that you want to do. And then also start thinking about how you're going to market the, whether it's an Airbnb Ooh, Ooh, that could be interesting. I like that idea. That could be like way more money than a tenant. I don't know. We got to do the math on that. Renting it out for regular rent month over month, what that would yield versus I'm probably already answering my own question, which is off topic. Listeners, this is what I do when I'm looking out the window and I'm just doing math in my head, (laughs) which is really not helpful for you at all. But essentially, you're probably going to make more money and steady income with a renter But there is something around this Airbnb experiences moment that could tie in nicely with the studio. studio. Yeah. So what is this bringing up for you all? My questions and thoughts and things around owning a mixed use space in the city of Nuevo York. It's aligned with with everything I've been thinking. So it's, you know, you saying looking out the window and and coming up with things that are unrelated, totally not unrelated. It's something that I've, I've thought about as well. Thinking about, uh, because I have worked with with Airbnb to provide experiences before, and so that's a a wonderful idea. And yeah, thinking about, you know, getting out there and and really looking, because, you know, once you put it into the universe and you start looking, things will come and things will, you know, things will appear. And, you know, I would love for, you know, that particular space to, to just appear. I know it's going to take to a lot of work, you. but look. no, but it to come to you. Abs- but they do, they do, but you've got to make sure you know what you're in for because once that space comes to you and you fall in love with your space and you're like, oh, she came, you're going to want to buy her. And we need to know all the, the laws and the insurance and all the costs that you are going to have to 
factor in before you fall in love with her because she's going to come. Are those things something that were like on your Excel spreadsheet already or are these new thoughts? They were. And the money has definitely been, you know, something that, that's like, you know, am I, am I crazy? Can I really do that? So high level, what have you seen out there? Just, you know, is it a million dollars? Ranging between a million to, to three million. Yep. That's NYC for you. And especially Brooklyn. Brooklyn's hot. And have you seen things at a million that you're like, I could work with this? Yes. Okay. So that you would have to factor in down payment, what they would want down, and getting a mortgage, and all the other things. So let's talk fundraising, because I would imagine that this is why we're what partially why we're here today. Yes. So tell the people about your fundraising history, just in general. How have you funded the business so far? Yeah. So the business is all based on the fundraising that I've done. Very small family and friends. I've had three fundraisers total. And the the last one that I did was to move into the, the larger space. And, you know, I do, I have a really supportive community. And most of the time they tell me that I don't ask them enough for help. That's interesting. So you were doing crowdfunding. I was doing crowdfunding. I had an, an event like a gala, like a really small scale gala and sold tickets. And uh, that was really fun and exciting and asked for donations and, and people were, you know, willing to give. And I really appreciated that. But I always feel, you know, that like, oh, I'm asking people for money. Like, uh, you know, that's crowdfunding shame. Yeah, we get it. And, you know, and you overcame it because you did it. But it's never fun crowdfunding. I mean, but it's cash and that's great. And to your point, your community wants to support you because you are bringing a valuable business and you are bringing economic stimulation to the area and you're bringing joy and you're bringing exercise and fitness and wellness to kids and parents. That's great. Like you are full on value add to the community. So I completely understand why people are like, ask us for more help. Which brings me to an idea, my friend. So are you familiar with equity crowdfunding? No. Okay. So equity crowdfunding is the same thing as I fund women crowdfunding, which is rewards based where you give away perks and things like that. And it's cash. But in this instance, people are actually becoming, your community is becoming investors in your business for real. And so when they fund you for $100 or $200, they're actually getting that much worth of stock in your company. So you can decide, okay, I am going to value the company at, and you have to value the real estate in with it. This is a plus up. This is a good for investors because they're not just investing in the studio. It's almost a real estate play, the way you can position this. So let me take a quick step back. How much are you familiar with venture capital? Question mark. Not much at all. Okay. I'm glad I asked. Okay. So venture capitalists are people and firms, venture capital firms, are companies that will invest in your business in exchange for equity, in exchange for ownership in it. So let's say your business, Lacey, is worth $10 million. I'm just using round numbers because I'm terrible at math. $10 million and you want to raise $2 million to fund the purchase and build of the mixed use space. 
So that means you're going to be raising $2 million because that's 20% of 10 from investors. And so you could get money from a firm, money from there's all these banks that are having VC funds, venture capital funds. There's so many ways that you can raise venture capital, and especially like right now. There's lots of ways to raise money and revenue is the best way to do it. Yeah, it's not as hard as rewards crowdfunding when you're bringing all the funders because they have a network of investors who are looking to invest in businesses that impact their community. And coming back to your community who have said, point blank, Lacey, ask us for more help. Wouldn't it be amazing to go back to those same folks and say, hey, guess what? I want you to be an investor in my company. I want you to be an owner in the success of this company, which will make them an owner in the success of the community, in the neighborhood. And this is where revitalization comes in. This is where real ownership and equity is built for black and brown Americans. Like this is it. Like you are at the cutting edge of what is happening and how we're going to move the needle on long-term wealth for black and brown people is doing exactly what you're doing. So you're creating ownership opportunities for you and your family, and that wealth will be passed down. That's how we're going to get there. These gave me some chills. It's true. It's true. And the funders who you're going to bring in from the community and from the broader allyship community of people who really care, I talk about the give a shit problem all the time, who actually give a shit about the transfer of wealth in this country from majority white people to equitable, right? Equality is BS. Equity is where it's at, period, full stop. And I love this for you. I love the whole thing, the idea of the owning the building, owning your future, owning your family's roots, and being able to pass that wealth down and on and pay it forward in your community. That is the sell. That is the crowdfunding campaign. I feel like I'm like narrating your video. When you're ready to do it, I'll help you. Oh, please. Yes. Seriously. I am serious too. (laughs) Great. You know, I mean, that's my best advice for fundraising because you are going to be raising a big chunk of money. So let me just pause there and get your thoughts and your true feels. This is wonderful. And, you know, of course, I've seen the terms venture capitalists, but never really understood what it was. And this may be a, a silly question, but with those investors and those venture capitalists and the people within the community that are donating, what does that investing. mean for investing, investing, right? Not donating. Very right. different. Investing. Thank you. What is in it for them in the long term? What do they get in the long term? So you ask a very, very smart question, which is what do investors get out of it in return? And typically, so I'll give you iPhone as an example. So we raised a round of venture capital many years ago. And at that point, our valuation was a $7 million company after we raised our round. And that was in, a, in our second year. We haven't raised since just because we haven't needed to. But if you look at our valuation now, it is exponentially higher than it was. So if we were going to sell the company today, which we're not, by the way, to be very clear, but if we were today, and I'm just going to use round numbers for $30 million. So we started at $7 million value. Let's say we sell at twenty eight. Our investors who put in $100,000 are going to get $400,000 back. 
So that's if we sell, if we went public on the stock exchange for whatever, the, let's say a billion dollar valuation, and you were a seed investor and I fund women at 7 million, I definitely can't do that math, but that's a multiple of a ton. Okay. The investors are in it with you for the long haul and they see a return on their investment. It could be multiple times. It could be, this could take off and you could start making bank and buy your investors out. They love that. So after a couple of years, if you're like, I don't actually need this million dollars that I raised because I'm making so much more money. I want to buy my investors out and you give them a two to one return. Every investor will take that deal because most startups fail. Most equity investors know, or venture capitalists know, when they invest in a company, they'll invest in 100 companies and know that only two of them will make it, but they're making big bets. And so that will pay off. That's how it works. And we also have like tons of free workshops and and videos on iPhone Women. So like come and just watch and learn about venture capital. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like you have a coaching membership, don't you already? Yeah. Use it and get VC coaching. Okay, I sure. I'll will. see you on the Zoom. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Oh yeah, this this is so helpful. It's like one of the things that you see, but you're like, is that for me? Can I do that? Does that relate? You know, am I qualified for that? With that, so you just opened my whole world up to this possibility, and I'm now even more motivated to do it because there was that fear factor that is always been there and for coming from South Carolina moving to New York was already a big fear and you know from everybody in South Carolina it's like New York why why would you want to go there it's so scary it's so expensive it's this it's that and so all of that has always been in the back of my head but to know that it's a possibility I see like a ray of light out in the world and it's doable it's a very real possibility it's doable and by the way and the city we need to get you involved with the city because there are so many grants for land ownership for people of color, literally, where you can tap into city and state funding to fund this business and to fund your ownership of your property. This is how it has to happen for people of color in this country. It has to be about ownership and wealth creation. Everybody's behind that. So the mayor of New York, finally, we have a black mayor. Hallelujah. And by the way, there, were, there have been programs for minority business owners in New York who want to own. So, you know, you may not even have to go down the VC route. There are lots of funding sources for business owners and property owners in New York and the boroughs. So I think I'm so glad you're lit up because you can do this and this is for you. No question about it. I would also say go and listen to a bunch of the past episodes of this podcast because every woman I get on this thing, they're like, I didn't think this was for me. I didn't get it. And by the way, I didn't get it either until I had to go through it. Nobody goes to school for this. Right. You went to school for journalism and advertising. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. I went to school and I majored in African-American studies. Really? Right. Yes. And my name is Karen. Nice to meet you. It's my little, it's my fun little secret, Lacey. It's my fun secret. Oh my God, you're hilarious. I mean, it's true. It's so ridiculous. I mean, the whole thing is just like, it just, it's been never ending amusement. I'm the token white lady on every diversity panel. And I'm like, hi, I'm Karen. Karen. 
I am not going to call the cops in your pool party. And <laughs> I majored in Afro-Am <laughs> 25 years ago before DE and I were even words. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that brought you such joy. That's funny. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, you're, oh my God, listeners, I got a crier over here. I love it. I mean, Lacey, this is hilarious. So my point was no one goes to college and studies venture capital. At least they didn't when we went. I mean, you're much younger than I am, but it's only in recent years that there are actual entrepreneurship classes and majors and things like that. But I didn't know what venture capital was even working at Google. And YouTube, which is a you know huge yeah. Czech unicorn. I didn't did not. I mean, I knew the concept of venture capital, but I didn't know any of the words. I didn't know how one would raise such a thing, and tried it and failed miserably the first time, and picked myself up and did it again and and learned from the failure. So nobody rolls out of bed knowing anything about the venture capital world. So definitely use your coaching because it's there, and we can guide you. Yes. Through the process and also guide you through how do we think through getting to city and state officials? Because there is so much money that is undeployed, that is literally earmarked for women and minority entrepreneurs and economic development. And you are literally hitting every target on that list. We just need to get you in front of these people with your business plan. Yes. Signing up as soon as we get off. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, so to wrap up, Miss Lacey, last words. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do the rest of the day today? What are you oh. going to do this weekend? What are you going to do next week? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, I am going to be smiling from ear to ear. As soon as we get off this call, I'm going to sign up for my coaching uh, with iPhone <laughs> Women. Definitely, that's that's one of the first things I'm going to do. Sign up for the coaching. Continue to look for spaces in the area that are appealing and that meet all of the, well, most of the requirements for, for the business. We have a step before that though, a step before that, because you know, you're going to see her and you're going to want her. You need to figure out the laws. Yeah. Just the tax laws and the insurance stuff. That's it. I mean, it's got, it, it's going to be, what's going to be, you're not the first person to own a mixed use space. We just want to go in with eyes wide, wide open, open on what you need to start up. And how much money you need to raise so that when you're ready to go raise your venture capital round or your government grant or, I mean, truly, this is going to happen. Like, we're making this happen. I'm with you, by the way, for real. Because I'm in the mix in New York City and I know that there's money and there's so much of it. Deep, 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 nine figures money, probably borderline with a B on it for women and minority entrepreneurs in New York state and New York City to have ownership and equity over their businesses from a property perspective and all the other perspectives. So the time is now. It's so exciting. So we just have to get the numbers in order, the business plan together, and really just, again, know the numbers of what it's going to take to start this thing up. And then we start finding the sources of capital. And after the business plan is done, sort of, sort of like in concert with finding the sources of capital, you need to start looking at spaces to kind of really net down on, okay, we've gone from 1 million to 3 million and there's probably a big luxury gap in the middle there. <laughs> <laughs> I would say 3 million is probably like you're getting a really nice place that's like newer and, you know, more bells and whistles. 
versus a million, maybe you're enough to put more into it, but it might be okay. You just need to have a sense of what you really are going to need to have to buy and how much you're going to need to put into it. So that means you're going to have to start looking at spaces. It's going to heat up real quick. Yes. She's going to come to you and we want to make sure you're like ready to write that check. So what does that money down look like? Another thing to keep in mind is you don't have to have, let's call it 2 million bucks in your pocket to buy a $2 million space. You have to have probably 10 or 20% of it. This is so motivating. So promising, Karen. Well, listen, I'm not the magical money elf. I can't make any promises in life, but I do know that you are a very savvy businesswoman and you're running an amazing business now. And look at what you did. Who loses 65 pounds from dancing? (laughs) And not like living on Red Bulls and cigarettes. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, that's like unheard of. You're like, yeah, I just got in back into dance and fitness and I just lost the weight. You don't hear that from anyone. Like you are operating on a much higher frequency than normal humans. So if anyone can do this, you can. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I, I keep saying thank you, but I can't say thank you enough for, you know, selecting me to be on this podcast and listening to my my, my challenge and helping me think this through and providing really, really smart feedback. And something I can take away and, and do, you know, you, you didn't just, you know, tell me things and just talk, you know, you talked me through it, but you also gave me really valuable information and valuable coaching. And this is really, I think this is the first true coaching session that I've had with anyone, you know, other than like, you know, I've had mentors, but this is very different. And this coaching session has been invaluable. Like I just, I've learned so much in this hour. But yeah, I'm I'm so excited and, and motivated and pumped and ready, ready to go. And you've given me such a, a boost of energy. And this is perfect because my birthday is on Monday. So I'm just feeling like excited and ready to go into this new year of life. So new decade, new decade, I'm turning, 40. I'm turning 40. Happy birthday to you. Hey. Happy birthday to you. Woo. Poor Stevie Wonder was like, please, Karen. <laughs> No, Karen, you're an ally. So Stevie, Stevie would be proud. I love Stevie. Talk about losing some weight, but that could be a whole other show. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even recognize him. I'm like, who is that? I'm like, of course you recognize the voice, but I'm like, wow, he really lost that weight. Yeah. I wonder how he did it. Okay, next time on the FN Women's Show, we're going to have Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Stevie Wonder's trainer, who's a woman. <laughs> JK. Lacey, you are amazing. You are on your way. I can't wait to have you back on the show. Let's have you back in another six months and see where we're at. I would love that. And yeah, let's keep in touch. Thank you so much for coming on the show and being vulnerable and sharing what you're up to. Happy 40th to you. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on the FN Women Show. Mm